Sometimes I think people think they can cure burnout with a bubble bath, but sometimes you need a, you need an entire lifestyle overhaul, right? Yeah. I think, uh, to expand on that, I think burnout will rarely be cured by a bubble bath or a massage on Fridays. Um, it's, it's usually something that has occurred over time. So we spoke earlier about, you know, exhaustion, cynicism, and ineffectiveness as the triad of burnout. Burnout also goes through three phases. So the first phase of burnout is the alarm phase where you're... Welcome to Mentally Stronger, the show that will help you develop the mental strength you need to reach your greatest potential, no matter what life throws your way. I'm Amy Morin, a psychotherapist, mental strength trainer, and an international best-selling author of five, soon to be six, books on mental strength. Every Monday, I introduce you to a guest whose story and expertise can inspire you to think, feel, and do your best in life. And the fun part is, we record it all from a sailboat in the Florida Keys. Now let's dive in today's episode. Do you feel emotionally and physically exhausted? Do you feel like your performance at work isn't as good as it could be? Do you struggle to sleep? If you answered yes to any of those questions, you might be experiencing burnout. It's a common problem right now. In fact, depending on which study you read, you'll find that anywhere from 52 to 89% of people are struggling with burnout. But it's hard to determine the exact number because it often goes unnoticed for quite a while. That's what happened to my guest today. She's a physician who didn't realize just how burned out she was until things got really bad. I'm talking to Dr. Neha Sangwan, a physician turned burnout expert and author. She's the author of a new book called Powered by Me, From Burnout to Fully Charged at Work and in Life. Some of the things she talks about today are the surprising symptoms of burnout, the practical steps you can take if you're feeling burned out, and how to fully recover from it so you can enjoy your personal and your professional life. Make sure to stick around until the end of the episode for the therapist's take. It's the part of the show where I'll break down Dr. Sangwan's strategies and share how you can apply them to your own life. So here's Dr. Sangwan on how to overcome burnout. Dr. Neha Sangwan, welcome to Mentally Stronger. Great to be here, Amy. I'm excited to talk about your new book, Powered by Me. Oh. Uh, I was fortunate enough to, to get my hands on an advanced copy to read it before it officially hit the shelves, but I think it's a really much needed book right now. But I'm curious, as a physician, what made you decide to start talking about burnout? I think as a therapist, people would often say it's more of a mental health issue. So what made you dive into this issue so deeply? So about 19 and a half years ago, I burned out. And back then, it was June of 2004. And uh, boy, not only did I not know what was happening myself, what I really realized was very few of my colleagues understood what was going on. We didn't talk about it. It was a source of shame and fear and judgment and how come I can't hack it. And so really, you know, as, as lots of journeys are, it was motivated by my own pain, my own experience, um, me realizing that employee assistance programs that are in big companies, EAP, sends everybody to me. And I had two tools, uh, basically to write someone a prescription for time off 
And the second one was to give them some cocktail of medications to help them sleep again. Uh, if they were anxious, help them with their anxiety, or if they were depressed, uh, give them an antidepressant. And it really seemed like that wasn't enough for what was happening. I, I was appreciative because it could get me over, you know, I didn't have to fall off the cliff. Like someone could stop the bullet train of me that I was pushing forward. But I really thought, wow, 10 days or a month later, we send people back in the ring for round two and they've got no new tools, no new awarenesses. They, what kind of a chance do they have at succeeding this round? Not, not great. So I have spent the last 20 years uh, figuring out how do I heal myself? What is the connection between the physical, mental, emotional, social, and spiritual worlds that are inside us and between us? And how do I make that practical for people and also meet people where they are? Because everybody gets here on a different path. It's as unique as your fingerprint. And in terms of the employee assistant program, that's something I can completely relate to as a therapist. We would often get big corporations and they would refer their employees for three therapy sessions as if three therapy sessions would undo <laughs> all of the distress and problems that people were experiencing in their lives. Do you think, I guess, has burnout gotten worse? I know since the pandemic, people were saying, well, now we get to work from home. So we're less likely to be burned out because we don't have the long commute. But other people are saying, well, now I'm expected to work 24-7. What are you seeing? Yeah, I think, I think it really comes down to boundaries and our ability to navigate change. And I, I would say that our awareness of burnout has absolutely gone up. Uh, in the medical profession, who worked straight through the pandemic, um, for them, research paper after research paper after research paper just keeps showing the rise of frontline physicians. So like pediatricians, you know, general practitioners, ER docs, uh, all of those. Uh, but I think it's more than that. I think it was parents at home with their children and having to adjust it was people who no longer had their coping mechanisms that they used to use. A lot of times distance is a really good coping mechanism. Like if I get to leave in the morning and I come home at night or I get to leave on a plane and I come back at the end of the week, I can pretty much endure a lot. And when you took that all away for people, really we took away a lot of their uh, working coping mechanisms, their traveling coping mechanisms, their social coping mechanisms, I think a lot of people had to take, kind of slow down and take a really hard look at whether they were really happy in the job that they were in, in the relationship that they were in. Um, and I think that pause, like often happens when you burn out, uh, that pause allowed the world to kind of take a second look and actually decide whether the status quo was working for them. And I think now that they've had that realization, many people have had a hard time adjusting because just like burnout, I can give you some time off, but unless I give you tools to help you navigate that change or that new way of living, it's still as stressful, sometimes even more stressful. Absolutely. What are the signs that we're burning out? How would we know if we were experiencing it? So the triad in the research is of three things, and I'll explain them. 
but I want you to know it's exhaustion, cynicism, and ineffectiveness. So let's start with exhaustion. Exhaustion, yes, physically, but more than that, mentally and emotionally exhausted. And then this second part where cynicism creeps in, it's almost like this uh, experience where where um, the like there's these thoughts that start to come in that say things to you like, it doesn't matter how hard I work, it's not really going to make a difference. Oh, I, it doesn't, the effort, all the energy, the effort that I'm putting forth doesn't really change anything. So as soon as you start hearing that in yourself, it's almost like the undertow on the beach where there's something that's undermining you as well, right? You can't see it, but it's, it's happening. And then lastly, ineffectiveness, where literally you cannot do your job like you used to. And so let me just real quick explain this. Um, the day it was June 17, 2004, that I walked in the hospital. And I started at 6 a.m. And by 11 a.m., I had only seen two out of my 11 patients. Now, yes, I get pagers. Nurses are asking me things. Families are stopping me. All sorts of things are happening. But that's extraordinarily slow. And I had no awareness of it. And then I asked the nurse, I remember saying, hey, Nina, do you, can you please give 40 milliequivalents of IV potassium to the gentleman in 636? So I sound very coherent as I'm saying it. And she looked at me and said, Dr. Sangwan, are you okay? And that was the first time that I had any clue that I might not be. And I said, yeah, why? And she said, that's the fourth time in under five minutes you've asked me that same question and I've answered you every time. Wow. And my lack of awareness of even knowing, it's almost like being inundated and overwhelmed had become the norm. And I didn't even realize it. So what I'd say there is, yes, I was exhausted. But if it was just exhaustion, I think I would have burned out back in engineering school or med school or somewhere there. It's more than that. It's, it's when you start to feel like you can't make ground. You're not making a difference. And then if you still don't pick it up, someone else will pick it up for you. And I am so grateful that she said what she said to me, because what if I had hurt a patient or given the wrong medication? I mean, it could have been so much worse than it was. Oh, wow. That's interesting too. So then what did you do that day after you learned that? You know, I, I kind of didn't believe her in a moment. Like I, I, I was in disbelief that I could somehow not be functioning and actually be ineffective. I did not know the definition of burnout at that point. I walked into the bathroom and I shut the door because that's like the safe place where, you know, you won't, even if you get a page or whatever. And I remembered six months earlier, a dear friend of mine had burned out and she called a psychiatric colleague of ours and said that he was quite helpful. Now, what I didn't like is she had been off for six months uh, and she didn't come back to the hospital. So I thought to myself, why don't you sideline him? Why don't you give him a call and just do like a drive-by consult? Kind of like, hey, someone told me I said the same thing four times. Can you tell me what's wrong so I can get back to my other 16 patients? And an hour later in his office, uh, he wrote me a prescription for at least a month off, and it ended up being three months off. 
And he said, um, I said, you've got to be kidding me. Like I have 16 more patients I haven't seen. Everybody's overwhelmed. And he looked at me and he said, Neha, I assure you those patients will be seen, just not by you. And that was the moment I got it. I was like, oh, like this is actually really serious. And so I went and I got my prescription for Prozac. And I remember driving home that day. By the way, I, sh- I probably shouldn't have been driving home. Um, but driving home that day and looking at the medications sitting on the passenger seat and just all the side effects of medical school and pharmacology going in front of me, it's, a, it's something I had prescribed to people many times. And I remember being more afraid of that than I was of whatever was happening. And so I put it into the upper drawer in my uh, bedroom in case there was a time that I needed it. And then every week I went back and met with him, uh, my colleague, and it took me about five weeks to really start to understand how I had gotten there. And that's chapter two of the book. I mean, it's literally my five sessions where two doctors have an honest conversation behind the scenes of what is this thing? that nobody's talking about, but many people are experiencing. And so that was 20 years ago. So I would say that why now? Um, It took me 20 years to heal and understand this global epidemic. And it's taken me the last seven years to write this book and do it in a way that I thought would be a wide enough net to be able to demystify burnout, but personalize it for each individual and then give them tools you know, that would help them change the outcome. This is the first time in my life when I haven't had a pet. Up until two years ago, I had Jackson, a 19-year-old Himalayan cat, and Fiona, a 17-year-old English Springer Spaniel. Both of them lived on the sailboat and adjusted pretty well to life on the water. I miss them, and I look forward to getting another pet when the time is right. Today's episode is sponsored by the ASPCA Pet Health Insurance Program. Your pet is part of the family, and you want the best for them no matter what. But vet bills can really add up. That's why you should check out pet insurance. And with ASPCA Pet Health Insurance, you can focus on the care your pet deserves and cover what matters most. The ASPCA Pet Health Insurance Program offers customizable accident and illness plans, making it easier for pet parents like you to help your pet get the care they may need. It's simple. Use their app to submit a claim and you'll receive reimbursement for eligible vet bills directly into your bank account. To explore coverage, visit ASPCAPetInsurance.com slash stronger. That's ASPCAPetInsurance.com slash stronger. Again, that's ASPCAPetInsurance.com slash stronger. This is a paid advertisement. Insurance is underwritten by either Independence American Insurance Company or United States Fire Insurance Company and produced by PTZ Insurance Agency, LIM. Do you want to get high-quality meat delivered straight to your house? Or in my case, a sailboat? Try ButcherBox. It saves me time and money. And if you order right now, Mentally Stronger listeners can get steak, chicken, or salmon free in every single order for an entire year. I love that ButcherBox offers grass-fed beef, free-range organic chicken, and wild-caught seafood. There are no antibiotics or added hormones. They even offer vegetarian options. ButcherBox lets you decide how often you want deliveries, 
and you can pick a curated plan or you could completely customize your box. Sign up at butcherbox.com stronger and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free-for-a-year offer, plus an additional $20 off. Choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com stronger and use code STRONGER to choose your free-for-a-year offer, plus get $20 off your first order. So how does somebody know, should I change my job or should I change the coping skills I'm using to cope with the current job that I have? Yeah. I mean, listen, you and I are both in the profession of deep listening, right? People come to us and they think it's one thing like, oh, I'm having headaches or migraines in my case. And, oh, really? I, my questions begin, which is, when did this begin? How did this start? Whatever they're coming to us. So what I'd say is, number one, you have to learn how to decipher the signals of your own body, the language, the unique language in which it speaks to you. So for me, throat constriction, it almost feels like I can't take a deep breath or my stomach turning or sometimes both is a really early and important signal that my body has been giving me for decades that I used to override. So the first thing I'd say to people is we, you know, people like Amy and I are in your life so that we can listen to you and, and hopefully make sense of some of these signals that you're sharing with us. But there's a way that you can do it yourself. And the earlier you tune in to your body signals, the quicker you're going to be able to decipher, you know, is this something physical? Is this something emotional? Is this something about my relationship? Because when you recognize those physical signals in your body, the first thing I want you to do is look around. What's the topic you're discussing? Who's in the room? Where are you? What's about to come next? Look at the context of your life when your body starts to contract in any way. Feel heavy, constricted, tightness. Uh, any of that starts happening. Just slow down. Don't try to make it go away. Slow down and check in. Huh, what's happening? What might the signal be? And I think in our lives that are moving so fast, We've been taught to override all of that. And then we wonder how we could get so far down the path and have no clue. So I'd say deciphering your body's unique language would be the first one. And I'd ask you, Amy, you know, when you get out of your comfort zone, how does your body uh, talk to you? Oh, yeah, I definitely like I feel it in my stomach. I can get physically, mm. feel physically ill almost instantly. And that's always been my cue because I, as a kid, I used to vomit before school because I hated school. As an adult, I still get that queasy feeling in my stomach. And that's my, my cue to definitely say, hmm, what's going on? Am I doing something I really hate to do? Am I in a place I shouldn't be? And I can yeah. be clued in pretty quickly. What I do is I always ask myself, like, all right, I'm out of my comfort zone. Thank mm -hmm. you, body, for telling me because I was just acting like it was normal. And then the thing I, you know, ask myself is, you know, what is it trying to tell me, right? Is it danger? Is it excitement? Is it, because then that's where your thoughts come in to decipher, because my heart can be racing from excitement or anxiety. 
And so when you want to know which it is, you look around at the setting. If you're about to go on stage for the first time, it could be terror and fear. If you're thinking to yourself, oh my God, what if I look like a fool and and don't remember my lines? Or if you're thinking to yourself, oh, I can't wait. There's so many people that are here that have come to see this play or this performance. I can't wait to be part of this. Your heart could be racing too. So you have to know the physical, notice your own body's unique physical language that I call it your physiology. It's, It's just communicating with you in a unique way. And you want to slow down, tune in, and then pay attention to what thoughts are running in your mind, because that'll give you a clue as to what the emotion is. So what do you have for somebody who says, well, I think my boss is burned out and I'm kind of in a toxic workplace. Are these strategies still going to work? Or again, do I just need to change jobs? Oh, that's a good question. Um, so I think right now that our first job is to understand burnout and check in with ourselves right? Um, the second one is if we know we're good and we're, we're in the right place, we're doing what we love and we're noticing that those we love or lead or those who lead us, uh, are burned out. It's really a gentle curiosity that I would approach that with because it's not about whether you're in conflict with somebody else. It's not about whether someone else is burned out. What really will determine your next steps is how well you're able to communicate with the other person and how well and ready they are to receive that feedback. And so I think as human beings, our job in relationship with one another is always to grow and learn and have joy and and be disappointed, right? We get the whole range of emotions when we enter into any relationship with someone. And I think there's a few parts there. If it's your boss that's burned out, there's a few things I'd have you ask. One is, how are you? Because it's easier to see other people than it is to see yourself. Number two, uh, how able are you to be curious and want to connect with them? Number three, is this still the right job for you? Have you outgrown this? Or is this kind of your sign that it, this relationship you've outgrown, you've, you've learned what you came here to learn. Uh, and, and if you're really willing to have that conversation, uh, just like that nurse was willing to ask me that question uh, that day, she really woke me up to something I was unaware of. So I think I'd start with the level of trust you have with yourself and with your leader. Uh, I don't know what the environment is here, But I would start with uh, curiosity and generous intent. Is there any way that I can support you? Are you aware? Like I've noticed um, you're normally here before me. And I've noticed the last few weeks you've been showing up at 930, uh, 30 minutes after me. Uh, I noticed that um, you are always prepared for our calls. And when we've been on our last two calls, I've noticed that you've been deferring to me. So you want to tell someone what you physically noticed, and then you want to just get curious. Don't make up a story about it. Don't, don't do anything. Just say, you know, what's, is, is something going on? Have you noticed that? And allow them to see if they engage. Like, and if they say something like, no, like I haven't noticed any of that, 
That's important. That's important for you to know because you know at what level of awareness they are. So I think it's it's not as simple of a question as, you know, do you quit your job? Do you I think that really depends on your relationship uh, with your to your work, to your leader and to your company, as well as um, how well and confident you feel in communicating. Because now I think we're in a world that we can't just look out for ourselves. If we're not burned out, it's our job to pay attention to those we love and lead. People are struggling. And the people who care about them and can approach it with love, generous intent, and care are probably the best ones to be there for them. And that may even, even if you don't know what to do, you could say, listen, how can I best support you? Don't think you have to come up with the answers because you bring it up. Allow yourself to let them tell you what they need. I like that because I think we often put that pressure on ourselves to solve other people's problems when we don't know what they want. And the last thing most people want to be told is, hey, you know what you should do? You should do X, Y, and Z. (laughs) It doesn't help. But that's what I'm hearing a lot of from people these days is, you know, I work in a toxic workplace. And in fact, the other day on Instagram, I asked people, what would you most likely to hear me talk about on the show when it comes to mental strength? And the number one answer was, how do I change careers? Not just change jobs, but people are looking to make career changes. And I resigned from corporate America. And when I did, people were very much like, oh my God, are you okay? Like I worked there for a while too. And like acted quite traumatized from their experience of being in, in corporate America and saying, you know, my life's never been better since I got out. Now I feel like I'm, I'm not so burned out or I had burned out, but I'd been there for so long. I didn't even notice it. So I think it's important to, to talk about, you know, is it a, a, a personal issue that, that you are burned out because maybe you're not taking care of yourself, but also do you need a, a lifestyle change? Sometimes I think people think they can cure burnout with a, a bubble bath. But sometimes you need a you need an entire lifestyle overhaul, right? Yeah, I think uh, to expand on that, I think burnout will rarely be cured by a bubble bath or a massage on Fridays. Um, it's it's usually something that has occurred over time. So we spoke earlier about you know exhaustion, cynicism, and ineffectiveness as the triad of burnout. Burnout also goes through three phases. So the first phase of burnout is the alarm phase where you're, it's like you're jumping on a treadmill that's going a little too fast. Your heart starts racing, the adrenaline kicks in. It's kind of that experience. People often choose to stay on that treadmill and not get off of it. And when you do, you move from the alarm phase of burnout into something I call chronic adaptation. Um, And it's not just me calling it. That's what the research calls it as well. But it's this phase where you're just hanging on. You figured out these coping mechanisms. Maybe you have two cups of coffee in the morning and a glass of wine at the end of the day to take the edge off. And you've started figuring out all these ways that you can hang in there. And then it just takes one more thing. And one more thing happened. And I think for a lot of people, it was COVID. And they, you go sliding down the slippery slope of burnout into the ineffectiveness phase. So while, while that triad also had ineffectiveness and it, so does the alarm phase, chronic adaptation, and then ineffectiveness uh, in phases. And I think a lot of people spend their life in the chronic adaptation phase where they're just like adjusting, making little adjustments. 
And I think this idea of wanting to change careers um, is really an interesting one because it, it speaks to wanting to feel more engaged in, in their lives. And if they see behaviors in an environment not being addressed, bullying, uh, drama triangles, we're all talking about each other, not to each other. We have to pretend to look perfect uh, in this setting, right? And it's not them. I think what people feel when they let go, one of the things I've been told people feel, and what I also felt was a relief that I could be more me. And I, I think that freedom also comes with the responsibility then to figure out how I will fund myself. And there's an exchange that goes on, right? I say, I'm going to take this job in this location and do this thing. And every week or two weeks, I get a paycheck deposited in my account. And I think there's a questioning of, is it worth it? Is it worth it? And I'd say, you got to know yourself. Know yourself first. What are your unique gifts, skill sets, passions? What lessons have you learned in this lifetime that you know could help people? And if you do your own work and you figure that out, you are so set up to serve the we. So heal me, serve we, and change the world, right? And so in whatever way that works, um, I think it's it starts with knowing yourself and sometimes leaving the environment that feels toxic is exactly what you need. And what can people do outside of work? Because I'm hearing from so many people who also say, I work really hard. When I get home, I don't have the energy to really do anything. I'm scrolling through my phone, I'm binge watching Netflix and I don't really do anything because I don't have the energy to to call my friends or to go do something fun with my family. So I end up just kind of sitting around and not doing much. So then it feels like my entire life is consumed by work because I don't have any energy outside of work. Mm. Wow. You know what, Amy? I dream of a place where, you know, our place of work is a place of, you know, healing for those who work there that it's, you know, a source of healing for those we serve and a force of healing and good in the world. I, I would have to go back a little bit to figure out why their job is so draining. Um, I would want them to know that unique language of their own body um, because if they're so exhausted by the time that they get home from work, um, literally that they can't get up, right? Um, it's really going to be, I would start very simply by, are they bookending their days with something good for themselves, right? So when I start my day, and I still have it actually, uh, I do my lemon water and my celery juice. Um, and I know that that's going to help me feel hydrated and feel really good in my day. And at the end of the day, when I'm watching my shows, I soak my feet in a foot bath, a hot foot bath. Um, and I put magnesium salt, Epsom salt, and some drops of lavender oil in there because it lowers cortisol. It lowers our stress hormones. So I'd say that's a big one, right? Because what you're doing is someone's telling you they're so exhausted. Now I would say that that person is already in chronic adaptation and they're using, they're, they're depersonalizing themselves, which is they're distancing themselves from social engagement because they don't have the energy to do it. So it's good, actually, that they're not trying to force themselves to do that. But what I would say is they are already well down the path of, of feeling burned out. 
And this is going to be a time for self-reflection and time to figure out how they can feel more inspired, more engaged, include themselves in the equation. Perhaps it's time for them to take on something that's going to inspire them a little bit more than they're feeling inspired. So it would be a red flag for me that the things they used to do, they don't have energy or time for. Um, And then I would say, okay, first question is, how are you taking care of yourself in this? Second question becomes, have you outgrown this work or this? Do you have the support you need to do the job you're doing? And why is your day so draining? Uh, And are there any moments of inspiration or learning that you can glean from that day uh, that you want to keep, that you want to hold on to? And then lastly, uh, once you get yourself in a space where you have more energy, now it's time to connect with others. Now, the only exception to that is if somebody gets energy through connecting. If through connecting is where they feel that rejuvenation, then their thing in the morning might be connecting to someone they really, who really inspires them or engages them, right? Uh, and at the end of the day. So you have to know kind of what, what moves and energizes you uh, to understand yourself, to know what to do next. And that's part of why in this book, I broke it into physical energy, mental energy, emotional energy, social energy, and spiritual energy. And in the social energy, I, I go through, you know, are you, are you most energized by being a doer and accomplishing things? Are you most energized by solving complex problems? Are you someone who loves creative ideas and innovating? Or are you someone who really gets your energy through connecting to people? And each of them has different fears that go along with, with each of them. But you got to know yourself first. And so to that person sitting on the couch that can't get up, I'd say, listen to your body. Because your body's telling you that right now you don't have the energy to do that. So what would it look like to be with yourself and really get clear on what's happening for you so you can give it to your body and then you can re-engage? And that's one of the things I really appreciated about your book is broke it down and you made very simple strategies that we can all start to implement and things that can help us figure out ourselves better. Because a lot of people say, I don't know. I don't know what gives me energy. I'm struggling to figure out what drains my energy. But I guess last question for you, is there hope for people who say, yeah, but I can't take six months off from work or I can't take a month off from work for one reason or another? Are there things they can do while continuing to work to still figure out how to treat their burnout? You bet. So um, why don't we, in the show notes, why don't we give people uh, a link to some videos um, that I've created in a resource uh, module uh, it's intuitiveintelligenceinc.com forward slash PBM resources, powered by me resources. And what I do is I go really basic here. The first thing you need to do is get yourself back into rhythm. So do a, oh, I have a better idea here, Amy. Okay. How about, how about, we'll give them that. So let me tell you that. And then let me give you one more. But basically what I've done is I've created What is guided imagery and how can it help your physiology come back into rhythm if you feel out of sorts? And here's two guided imageries, one called body scan, one called safe place. Great. To help people feel regrounded again. If people think breathing is just for yoga and they don't understand why people say take a deep breath and all that, 
I've literally explained the physiology of breathing. And then I walk you through a video exercise showing you exactly what to do. So I want people to have like some base, and then there's autogenics. There's lots of basic things that someone can do right now that take three minutes, five minutes. So let's definitely give them that. For the people who don't know where they're having a net energy gain or drain on a physical, mental, emotional, social, spiritual level, I will give you a link. Uh, it's intuitiveintelligenceinc.com forward slash burnout hyphen RX. And what they can do there is I will walk them through taking a survey. It'll take under 10 minutes for them to kind of do a self-assessment and figure out where am I having this net gain and where am I having a drain so they know where to focus their time and effort uh, so that they don't feel like, listen, I, I can't do this as like a full degree and study, um, but how can I zero in on where I need? support. Um, I think, and I have, I must have a hundred or 150 videos on YouTube uh, that are free that they could uh, look at as well. And of course the book is a systematic way of doing it. Um, but if they want to see like, Hey, where would I need to focus and where should I go first? Uh, I think it's going to be the burnout dash RX. And if someone's saying, listen, I'm anxious right now and I really just need to settle down. That's where the guided imagery, the autogenics, the breathing uh, will come in handy. Awesome. Thank you. We will link to those in the show notes. So if anybody didn't catch it when you said it, they'll have the link right there. Sure. And we'll link to the book too, because I hope all of our listeners who are failing burnout go pick up a coffee or for those who want to prevent burnout too. Yeah. Or know people. Like right? someone, someone you love or lead. Uh, we need to look out for each other because just like I said that day, I had no idea. I had no idea that I was burned out and you might be the one who picks it up for me. Dr. Neha, thank you so much for sharing your story and for sharing all, all of the wisdom that you've learned about burnout over the last 20 years with us. Thank you so much for having me and thank you for listening. Welcome to The Therapist Take. It's the part of the show where I'll break down Dr. Sangwan's strategies and share how you can apply them to your life. Here are three of my favorite strategies that she shared. Number one, be on the lookout for exhaustion, cynicism, and ineffectiveness. The research shows when we're burned out, we experience physical and emotional exhaustion. We grow cynical about tons of things, and we feel completely ineffective. I've seen many people who thought they just needed to work harder so that they could finally get far enough ahead that they could take a breather, but they never got there. Instead, the more that they worked, the less efficient that they were. So if you feel like you aren't able to make a difference, consider whether you might be burned out. It becomes a cycle that's tough to break. Longer hours, less efficiency, more tired, more work, and the solution isn't as simple as taking a week off either. Number two, pay attention to your body. I'm glad Dr. Sangwon emphasized the importance of paying attention to physical symptoms. Our body responds to stress in a lot of physical ways. My therapy patients frequently say things like, my shoulders are really sore, but I haven't done anything that would make them sore. Well, it's the tension causing it. They tense their bodies up so much because they're stressed and anxious that they physically hurt. Headaches and stomach aches are really common too. Pay attention to your body and notice what hurts or what muscles feel tense. Dr. Sangwon mentions two tools that she says we could do regularly. 
doing a body scan, and something called Safe Place, which is a breathing exercise. I'll link to her ideas in the show notes. And number three, look at what's draining you and what's energizing you. Even if you're a self-employed entrepreneur who's doing what you love, there are certain aspects of your job that will energize you and others that will drain you. You might like the creative aspects of the business, but hate bookkeeping. Or you might love managing the numbers, but you dislike posting on social media. So zoom out sometimes and notice what energizes you and what's draining you. You might need to create some changes to your routine to make sure that you're gaining the energy that you need to get through your day. Even if you aren't self-employed, though, you can probably make some changes to your day and how you spend your time, both inside the office as well as outside of work. A few simple shifts might really help you start to feel better. So those are three of Dr. Sangwon's strategies that I highly recommend. Be on the lookout for exhaustion, cynicism, and ineffectiveness. Pay attention to your body and periodically review what's draining you and what energizes you. To hear more strategies for beating burnout, check out Dr. Sangwan's book, Powered by Me. Thank you for hanging out with us today and for listening to Mentally Stronger. If you know somebody who could benefit from learning more about how to beat burnout, share this show with them. Simply sharing a link could help someone feel better and grow stronger. And as always, a big thank you to my show's producer, who recorded the album that reached number one on the Billboard Tropical Chart last week, Nick Valentine. <laughs>